You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Because there's nothing like a weekend pause with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Belonging is a very big thing for me personally, but I think for a lot of people. And I think when you have no sense of belonging, it's a lot harder to be brave and to embrace change. But when you have one set place of belonging, I think it's a little bit easier to sort of appear fearless in the other areas of your life. Thanks for listening. This is U-Turns, where we talk about all things transformational, big changes, little changes, fun changes, and such, because shift happens. I'm Lisa Oz. And I'm Jill Herzig. And today we are talking to our best friend, mine and Jill's best friend. Yeah, yeah, who just so happens to be kind of an expert on change. We're talking with Jennifer Rudolph Walsh. I'm going to give you her official title here. She's the head of literary lectures and conferences at William Morris Endeavor. In other words, she's a BFD, big deal. (laughs) Um, She's really one of the most influential literary agents working today in the world. Her clients have included Oprah, Ariana Huffington, Sheryl Sandberg. The list goes on. It's longer than my arms. Um, Lisa Oz. (laughs) Lisa Oz, yes. And um, she's shaking up the conference world as well now with some of those same people and has her own conference that she masterfully directs uh, called Together Live. So we're here to talk about telling your story. That's what happens at Together Live. And I guess that's that's what life is all about. Well, right? I agree. Well, first of all, hi, you guys. Hi. So you're two of my favorite people in the whole world. And I'm so thrilled to be sitting here talking about transformation. And we've had these conversations many, many times in restaurants and in kitchens and living rooms. So it's so fun to share it with everybody that's listening. Yeah. Okay. I want to dive right into it because as we have talked about in those kitchens and on bar stools, um, you know, U-turns, they happen. They, I'm going through one right now, trying to figure out the career thing. Lisa's going through one. And, you know, one of the things that I've seen in your life is that you just so gracefully go through major changes. Well, you make well, it look I like questioned, it was planned. Okay. <laughs> I question the graceful part, but um, but certainly I feel like um, I've made a good friend of change, and it's something that I never thought I would make friends with. And as somebody who, and all three of us share this, I met my husband when I was very young, and I've been in a very, um, I've been in the same town my whole life. I was somebody who just thought, I don't want change. I'm going to have one job, and I'm going to do it one way, and then life happened. So I feel like I just learned to love change or else be unhappy all yeah. the time. And so you feel like having some stability in some area of your life allows you the freedom to kind of explore in other areas of your life? No question. No question. I mean, when you have a bedrock, 
like we all do, of just a really strong partnership and and family who loves you and who knows you and really accepts you for who you are. It gives you, I think, that that opportunity to be brave in ways that doesn't feel as brave because you know you're going home to people who are going to be there to, you know, wipe you off if you need wiping off and hug you and make you feel like you belong. There's like a mask to cling to with you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, belonging is a very big thing for me personally, but I think for a lot of people. And I think when you have no sense of belonging, it's a lot harder to be brave and to embrace change. But when you have one set place of belonging, I think it's a little bit easier to sort of appear fearless in the other areas of your life. Do you get to kind of just fall apart in a heap sometimes when you get home? Oh, I certainly could, but I'm just, I don't think I'm the kind of person who, I don't, I'm not a fall aparter. I mean, I think I'm more, um, I'm somebody who, um, and actually both of you are are, are this way too, who lives a very purpose-driven life. And, you know, what I love about purpose is it's not something that can pass you by. It's not something that you can be fired from or you can retire from. It's something that is, you know, literally your reason for being here, through my lens anyway. How do you figure out what your purpose is? Well, I mean, I think it's been a process for me, uh, but I feel like purpose is, is so essential to who you are that without knowing your, your Lisa's exact purpose, I could come up with some pretty clear breadcrumbs that would point to a clear sentence of your purpose. Um, and certainly the same is true of you, Jill. And so what I love about the idea of purpose is that it's an evolving process. So my purpose, um, I've come to understand, is really about shining the light forward so others feel less alone, connected, elevated, and healed. And so I've done that. I've been doing that since I was a little girl. I didn't call it that, but I know that when I was making people feel heard and seen and and reflecting back to them their own stories or their own strength, I felt really powerful and I felt like time was you know was flowing by without my even noticing it. And when I was finished with one of these experiences even as a child, I felt energized. So these are all I think what I call breadcrumbs that make you realize that all along your life's been kind of pointing you to purpose. And and so for me, once I made the clear shift to living like a very clear purpose life, a lot of the other stuff fell away. And then I felt braver to take chances, felt braver to create a conference division or to, you know, or to create something that was not in the in the wheelhouse of what I'd always traditionally done. Yeah. And your story sort of led you to that, kind of looking back at all those sort of twists and turns, you were able to pull out a story that led you to that sense of purpose. Right. Well, I mean, I will say that... Tell that story a little bit. I will, but I'll also say for the longest time, I didn't think I had a story. So I am a literary <laughs> agent. I know, but I just, you know, I didn't have any, well, any I headline. Think, I think most of us don't I didn't, really you know, I didn't, I didn't lose a, a parent, thank story. God. I mean, I didn't, I didn't recover from an illness. I wasn't living on the streets. And so I've been this pilot light for other people's stories, this midwife for other people's stories. And I love that. And that's incredibly um, energizing for me. But I think that I didn't realize that inside all those stories were something that I was responding to in my own in my own life. It's it's almost like all those stories was my story in a thousand different volumes. Mm-hmm. And I came to realize over the last ten years, really, and I'm I'm 51 years old, so it took me really until I was in my 40s mm-hmm. to realize, oh, I have a story too, and it's not glass castle. I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it, I didn't live on the streets and have to eat from a dumpster. And thank God for the glass castle because yeah. that taught me about resilience. Yeah. And so you're talking about Jeanette Walls. Jeanette Walls's book. book. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like what I realized is that I have a story and it's an important story and that everybody has a story and everybody's story matters. So now to go back to my story, I was not the typical student with the face in the, with the face in the book, quite the opposite. I was kicked out of middle school. I was kicked out of high school. <laughs> And in fact, I was kicked out of high school, presumably because I'd failed to go to class enough times, but really, truly what the headmaster said to my mother, it was my second semester of my sophomore year, they said, not one teacher here will recommend Jennifer for college. Not one. And so we want her to go to a school where there'll at least be one person who's willing to recommend her. And so to be told when you're 16 or 17 years old that you would fail to distinguish yourself to the point where not one single person would recommend me... It was a very bitter pill to swallow, and I certainly mm. wanted to be better, but I didn't even know how. Like, I didn't—so opposite, you know, Jill, of somebody who's so—you're so studious, you're such a good student. And I looked at people like you, and I thought, how do they do that? How do they connect the dots? And 
a joke that I've made for years is that my nighttime self and my morning self are sworn enemies. (laughs) So I don't think you're alone there. Yeah. So it's like at night, I would just want to do all the work that I knew I needed to do, but I also wanted to talk on the phone and and, and be with my friends or do whatever. And then I would wake up in the morning and I would just be like, oh, damn you, nighttime Jennifer. (laughs) (laughs) And I have a similar version now with food and alcohol. And you were like... You were getting people's stories. I was doing you? my thing. <laughs> yeah, I was that's doing what my you thing. were doing. Yeah, and so and so. Okay, so, so school. So big I struggle. Mid-st- big struggle, and then I finally nobody found- saw. Nobody wrote in your yearbook, destined to be one of the world's great literary agents, no, huh? Nothing. No, there was no greatness <laughs> that I was destined for, um, or so that's what I felt, and that's what I was told. And then I eventually, I eventually found my way to a high school. And I'm, don't worry, I'm not going to take us year by year. But I found, <laughs> but I found a headmistress there who really got me and mm. got that I had something very special. And she made a deal with me, and she said, "If you come to school every day, I'll give you a dollar every day, and um, and then." I will recommend you to a good liberal arts college where I think you can thrive. And so she kept her end of the bargain, and which was awesome. Like a dollar, a hundred bucks. A dollar right? a day. I mean, it was literally like enough to buy pizza and soda pretty much every day. Yeah. And then she kept her end of the bargain, and she recommended me to Kenyon College. And I went there, and it was there that for the first time I ever like discovered contemporary voices in fiction. I thought all authors were like dead white dudes. Yeah. I well, had no idea. One would think that. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, suddenly I'm reading, you know, Toni Morrison and Maya Angelou, and I'm just— I cannot believe that I'm I'm reading, you know, I know why the cage bird sings and I'm hearing my own life experience even though I have nothing in common with this woman growing up in the segregated south. Yeah. And yet I feel this desire for love and will I ever be will I ever become who I'm meant to be and will yeah. I find my voice and will I make a difference? Yeah. And so that was when I realized Suddenly that— Suddenly you also find the desire to write a paper. Exactly. <laughs> Which you exactly. may never have felt totally. in your entire life. Totally. Yeah. So that, it was that kind of igniting of, you know, what I would say is like my, the early days of my calling, calling. Yeah. I knew I wanted to be as close to storytelling and to like the amplification of people's stories as humanly possible. Do you not want to write your own book? I mean, it's not a real desire of mine. It's something that people have obviously brought up to me a lot. Because you have so many good stories. Well, I think my stories are really everybody else's stories. And sometimes I think that I would just want to write that, like everybody else's stories and how they've affected me. So I don't know. Hmm. Maybe one day. One day. Could be the next U-turn. I don't know. Could be the next U-turn. I mean, to be honest with you, I just feel so bad for writers (laughs) because they have to sit by themselves and write all day long. And I just love to interact. So, but I'm open. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm open to anything. Yeah. I really am. Yeah, and so you really and truly believe that everybody has an incredible story. Every single person. If you have breath, you have two things, a purpose and an incredible story to share. That matters. Okay. That fills my heart. We're going to take a quick break. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes, and Stafford and Mutual Weave for him, style and comfort for all, even big and tall, plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. 
Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Before the break, we were talking about stories and how you believe, Jennifer, that everybody has a story. And is is everyone's story part of the great universal story? I believe that. And let me just, before we get 5,000 emails saying, like, will you read my story? It's not the same thing as saying everybody's story should be published. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay? Everybody's not a writer. And as I've said, the question mark as to whether I could be one day. Um, but everybody has a story that, that needs to be shared. And I do believe is part of sort of the universal narrative, the collective of what it means to be human. And, and we're not just a jumble of lots of different stories. There's one main through line that you would I believe say there's you one got main, the monomyth. Yeah, I believe there's one main through line. And, but, yeah. but that doesn't mean that it's a black and white through line. Okay. You know, everybody, everybody has a story of sort of becoming who they were meant to be and of mm-hmm. the obstacles that stood in the way and of the heartbreak and of the triumph and of the misunderstandings. And we're of, obviously living. It yeah. now as we as we reflect on it at the same time. Right. And and why does it matter? Like it matters because when you hear somebody else's story and you find just even the smallest part of yourself in it or your sister in it, um, or your friend, you just realize that we're we're really more alike than we are different and that we're we're in it together. I mean, we're really truly in this together and we're des- we're wired for it. We're wired for for needing each other and for a desire for a sense of belonging and I think that nothing like storytelling brings you to that moment, you know, more quickly and more instantly yeah. than that moment when you're shaking your head upside down up and down and you go, "Oh my god, me too." Like I thought I was the only one. Yeah. In fact, we almost called together live me too 3 years before the <laughs> me too movement. I'm glad we didn't. Yeah. But the impulse was the same. Yeah. Me too. Certainly. You know, it's funny. My sister and I are very different people, my older sister and I. Yeah, you sure are. And and you know that. And, um, you know, one of the things I think we've come to realize in the past few years is just to really value the fact that our starter story anyway— is the same. Yeah. Like we, there's so much of the same plot line, and she's kind of the only, whether we're part of the universal story or not, there's a particular Herzig plot line. That's right. And, <laughs> and she's the only person. It's a little weird. And we've lived it yeah, together. Yeah, she's the only person, other than your parents, that were there the day you were born. The day yeah. you came home, she was there. Yeah. Same with your sister. She, same she with my sister, right? Next to my mother yeah. in the taxi cab and almost helped, helped her give birth to me right there and then. There's on a something New York City taxi so cab. powerful about that. Yeah. And I mean, even just in the, you know, in, in our 10 plus years and in our 20 plus years of, of, of knowing each other, what I've come to kind of feel is that that continuity of, of love and relationships, bearing witness to your lives over those years and having you bear witness to mine, like that's the closest thing to a real religion I feel like I, I have mm. is that it's that that religion of, of connection and continuity through time. It's just an amazing privilege to bear witness to your lives and to have my life be bear, you know be yeah. seen through that those eyes. And you know, each of you will remember something that I've forgotten and say, "Oh, remember that time you did, you know you said that you especially Jill Jill's the memory." <laughs> I don't think so, but maybe. <laughs> but it's such Some a it's such stick. a beautiful it's such a beautiful thing. And you know, now for example, I'm the the moderator of of Together Live. But Lisa can remember a time when I would just say to you, "How do you go out on stage like that? You're so natural. You never worry about anything." I was so full of stage stage fright that I couldn't even think that I could stand on a stage. Yeah, so what did so what did you do? Cuz we've actually been talking to a number of different people who are also now mega speakers and 
a bunch of them have said uh, that they struggled with it. What are the steps to well, overcoming that fear? I'm, I'm just hardly like a mega speaker. In, just, like, I'm hardly a mega speaker. In fact, I don't have an interest in being a mega but speaker. But you do it. Well, oh, I'm end. the audience stand-in, and that's that's how I that's how I found my way. Like for me, and again, this is my lens, and I don't mean to sound like some kind of evangelist, but since it's always about purpose, it's like what's the, what, what am I? How am I serving the purpose in this? What's where's the service? Where's the act of service? And if I can find the act of service, I can literally do anything. So I could stand on the corner with a sandwich board yeah. and give away, give out, you know, give out flyers. And in truth, what you're doing at the conference is you're pulling stories out of people. Yeah, and I'm and, and, and setting I'm the them up and and asking them that that extra little question that pushes them deeper. So that's right. It, it's it's your purpose. It's, it's what my you purpose. Do. That's right. And so, and I'm also feeling like I'm showing the audience that you don't have to be you know, a thought leader to be standing on the stage, that there's no difference between the stage and the audience. And I'm highlighting stories that I feel are, are rather than hero worship, to use your phrase, are more about, can you find yourself in this story? And can you find inspiration? And can you find can you find direction? Instead of somebody sitting up there and telling you what you should do and how you should do it, just instead sort of sharing their wild-hearted experiences and you find yourself in them. And so I call myself a great thought follower instead of a thought leader. In fact, I'm a leading thought follower. <laughs> and I, I just, I'm up there sort of on behalf of the audience in that sense, following the thoughts. Yeah, and sort of inviting them up there with you. Yeah. What were the big, the biggest thoughts, the ones that had the most impact on you? Because you are, you know, one of the most powerful literary agents in the world. And the books you choose, because you always say you're not going to take a book that doesn't fit into your mission, right? right. So you're not going to, just because it's going to sell well, you're not, you have no interest right. in helping it. So they have to speak to you. Right. What are the the big themes that have really resonated for you over the course of, you know, 20 years? That um, Well, I would say that um, finding your voice having the courage to be vulnerable, um, checking the story that you're telling yourself. These are some of the the, 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 the narratives that have been most powerful to me. Brene Brown, mm-hmm. obviously Oprah Winfrey, um, Alice Monroe, Sue Monk Kidd. I mean, these incredible people, Ariana Huffington, who are bringing um, self-care to a place of self-revelation for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be through fiction or nonfiction. Right. But it has to really feel authentic, and it has to feel um, not necessarily completely original, but in its presentation, completely original. I mean, it could be derivative. It could be standing on the, on the, on the shoulders of giants, but it has to feel like when I'm coming to this work, I feel like it's completely new to me. And when I finish it, I feel less alone, elevated, connected, and healed. Those are good things. Yeah, those are all good things. Expand a little on the idea of checking the story that you're telling yourself. Well, this is a a profound Brene Brown kind of thought, which is that a lot of times we fill in silence with a story. You know, so Lisa didn't call me back. We had lunch. I thought it went great. But at the very end of the lunch, (laughs) she seemed a little distracted. And then I called her a few days later and she didn't return my phone call. So now, this is a completely fictional story because this no, would never— No, it was the other way around. She didn't return my phone call. <laughs> First of all, this would never happen because there's, I would call Lisa 13 times until she returned my call because I love her so much. But So let's just say she didn't return my phone call, and now I'm focusing on the way that she seemed a little distracted at the very end of the lunch. And I'm thinking, did I talk about myself too much? Did I, was I bragging? Was I too, was I too uh, self-obsessed? And now I'm starting to imagine that she's really angry with me, and she doesn't want to get together with me anymore. And— I'm creating a whole story around this this silence between us. Whereas, as Brene says, if I just check the story, send her a little note, hey, Lisa, you seem pretty distracted at the end of our lunch, and then I called you, and you haven't called me back, so I just want to make sure that everything's okay. And then she gets back to me, oh, my God, of course, I was distracted because I got a note that my son had a fever, and it's been three horrible days, and I've been dealing with, you know, this thing, and oh, my God, no, loved lunch, love you, goodbye, end of story. So checking the story and having the sort of vulnerability to say, I'm feeling a little weird, rather than just now building this whole thing where the next time I See Lisa, I'm acting weird because I think she's acting weird. Right. And do you do that though? Do you? I check the story now. No, but did you make those stories in your head? Were oh, you that of type of person? Everybody's that type. Not of person. everybody. No, no, no. My husband is not that type oh, well, of person. Okay. No, I, I know well, a lot Mehmet of people is who, odd in a number of ways. <laughs> He's kind of. Also, maybe it's more female. <laughs> like, I can speak to the female yeah. experience better because I totally do that, and he every, thinks I'm just paranoid. No, but you are paranoid. But even a broken, but even broken clock, even a broken clock is right twice a day. No, but everybody does it to a certain extent. And I guarantee you that the silence 
violence. And again, this is not this. These are these are thought. I'm following these thoughts. Okay, this is Brene Brown's work. But but I guarantee you that the story that you're that you're telling yourself is never a happy story. It's never a positive story. And for me, I would say one of the biggest U-turns that I've made in my in my life, and that's these last these last years of my life have been about really recognizing the negative self-talk. Like, yeah. whoa. I mean, from the minute I wake up in the morning, I was at myself mm. about every what I didn't do, what I forgot, you know, what I spoke too, too opinionated about, what I ate, what I drank. I mean, you name it. I would just be at myself first thing in the morning. And when I had the great, glorious honor of going on tour with Oprah Winfrey for the Life You Want tour— she actually talked about it from the stage and just said how before she even opens up her her eyes in the morning, she forces herself to say thank you to herself for at least three things. And I nobody ever talked to me about that. Like I didn't if frankly, I thought the negative self-talk was part of my success. Like yeah. I'm so damn straight with myself. And it, it's hard sometimes to let it go yeah. because you think if I don't berate myself. Who will? Then then how will I jump through and over all the bars? Right. And I, I'll tell you, the answer is with incredible love. Yeah. So, I mean, that self-care piece is so huge for me because, I mean, I'm not going to break 45 years of, of habits overnight, but I can say that I really don't do that anymore. And in fact, when I find myself kind of doing the berate, you know, berating myself for things, I just, I, I joke around with myself and I, I this is going to sound so funny and your audience is going to be rolling their eyes, but I call myself sweetheart. I try to talk to myself as if I was talking to you or you. I try to treat myself with the same basic decency that I would give to my Uber driver. Yeah. Um, yeah. Instead of treating myself like somebody who just killed a bunch of kids, you yeah. know? <laughs> Do you find that maybe that's a function of age, though? And that I, I find that as I get older, a lot of—I was always a very judgmental person. I'm not unjudgmental now, but I find that I let things go more easily with Definitely. myself and with other people. It's like I'm not so quick to— Well, that's, they're totally related, by the way. Yeah. They're totally related. The easier you are on yourself, the easier you find yourself being on others. Hmm. Um, Does it so, work the other way around, too? Yeah, totally. Yeah, so if you're— yeah. So letting other people slide, you won't have to beat yourself up yeah. all the time. Yeah, I mean, it helps to it helps the other way around, but really it, it's best when it comes from the way you treat yourself. Yeah. Um, but I feel like definitely it comes from age. I mean, I mean, my grandfather used to say that your 50s were the decade of great reward for those who did the work in their 30s and 40s. Hmm. And, you know, one year in, I can say I really feel that way from an emotional perspective. He sounds like a very evolved grandfather. Oh, he's the greatest. Oh. Grandpa Rudy. <laughs> Grandpa Rudy. Um, Bless But you. anyway, I, I feel that way. I feel just so much, so much joy in the moment of... You know, as I was saying, the religion of just like love and continuity over time. And I see it everywhere. Like I feel it not just with my dear friends and my family and my colleagues and my and the authors I represent and the people that I go on tour with, but even people that you're incidentally like, you you know, over years, friends of your friends. like yeah. you, And you realize, oh, wow, you know, I don't really think of you as a friend, but I've known you for 20 years or I've yeah. known you. And I just I just get a real kick out of that. Like, you know, I just love that. It's interesting. I live in Brooklyn. I'm smushed together with people all the time. I am on the subway multiple times most days. And I have to say, I have found that during this period of kind of trying to figure out my future, my job situation, that... I am much more tolerant of other people and much, I mean, people talk to me much more easily now. Maybe I just look like that crazy lady on the subway who anyone can talk to, <laughs> but I just, that, that flashpoint that, that, you know, I'm not so trigger happy with my judgments or pulling away from people. There's like a softening, a weird softening. I love that. that. I, I mean, I call that found. growth at the speed of pain, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, but I love it. I want to be strong back, soft heart, again, as Brene Brown says. Yeah. I want that. And so I know when you're the busiest person in the room and you have to get someplace with so much intentionality, you don't make eye contact with people yeah. and you don't stop to listen to somebody else's story. And, and I mean, you guys know me, so you know I'm always looking for signs from the universe, right? So think about all the signs I've missed because I've been so determined to get from point A to point B. As opposed to just sort of being where I was and seeing like what the what, what the universe was leaving for me, and so I feel that way too. I mean, I'm not in quite the same transition as you, but I feel like I am in in a constant transition, yeah. a constant process of becoming. Yeah, and um, and the more I open myself to other people's experiences, and the more I like don't let myself be quick to judgment, um, the more I find myself in people's stories, and the more I learn about myself, and the more 
compassion I feel. Yeah. Um, it's like, wow. I mean, I've kind been of think- opens you up. It really does. Like, I've been yeah. thinking for a long time about how I love to sort of say that I was like the tough love queen. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I've been thinking about that a lot. Like, tough love. Like, does it— You're just really honest. I am it's really never, honest. It's never—tough love has the implication that it's a little mean— and you you never mean. Thank you. You're just very direct. And people need to hear that because, you know, we're, we have tons of BS floating around in our brains. And you you have a way of just being very incisive and saying, nope, that's not what the situation is. This <laughs> I is appreciate the situation. That. No, it's true. I appreciate that because one of the things I've that's been thinking is— supportive in a different way. It, it, yeah. Because it like, I feel like love should only—it should only hurt—I think the truth only hurts when it's meant to. I never want I never want that. And I and I've just been thinking about, well, how do you say things differently so that it doesn't feel like a slap in the face? Um, and again, this is all this is all about, you know, going with the flow of your own life and, and how it sort of it does. It makes you more empathetic for people who are going through whatever struggle they're going through. Yeah. I mean. And I actually don't want to lose that piece of it. I I would like to move out of this transition at some point, but I don't want to lose that transitional feeling of openness and, hey, whatever. Yeah, you know? well, I mean, you're in control okay. of that. Yeah. You know, that's something that you could just, you could just make that something you're not going to let go of. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's an, an openness that when you are on the top of your next mountain, and you certainly will be without any question about it, you're going to make an intention to yourself that no matter what, you're going to remember what that openness feels like and make sure that you, that door just remains permanently opened. Yeah. And by the way, it'll make you, a, I think, a much more effective leader in whatever it is that you, wherever you're leading next. So um, let's get back to the idea of purpose a little bit, because I have to say that sounds very monumental to me. It sounds big. Right. Like, you know, purpose is writing wrongs in this world. Right. Purpose is social justice. Well, if, if that's your purpose, then that then, then it is. My purpose is not social justice. Right. So right. purpose is, in my opinion, you know, I think it was more I mean, Can Twain. it be small? Can yeah, you find— it could be, it could be, it could be small— is small in the way the words sound, but it's never small in what it's meant to do for the world. In my in, in my interpretation of purpose, Mark Twain says, two most important days are the day you're born and the day you find out why, <laughs> which I love that because I think, you know, for me, I always wanted my purpose to be like some hidden talent, like, oh my God, she's an unbelievable folk art painter. And we <laughs> never knew, like, oh my God, you know, unfortunately, I never found my hidden talent because... A hidden talent is not purpose. Do you have popsicle stick sculptures <laughs> hidden under your I bed? I always kind of hoped that, like, so, like, literally, they would be like, hey, has anybody know how to use this, you know, this one-pot cooker? And it would be like, wow, it ends up mom's amazing <laughs> at that. Like, you Can know, your purpose change, though? Or yeah, do you think it evolves. evolves. It evolves. Mm. Into something entirely different, maybe? Well, it, well, I, I would say the form looks entirely okay. different. Okay. But... The purpose is always the same. So again, th- we could have two hours just on Lisa Oz's purpose. But you're somebody for whom, like, speaking truth to power is an incredibly powerful part of the way that you function in the world. It's like you have this unbelievable amount of knowledge. I mean, you teach me more than almost anybody else I know. And then you have this very brave way of expressing whatever that truth is, right? So my my guess is that if we dug to get to your sentence, that— Part of it is would involve sharing truth. Like, I, I don't have all the pieces, but the point is it doesn't matter if you're on a podcast or if you're writing books or if you're on a speaking tour. Your purpose is still is still going to be the essence of, of, of the truth-telling that's the same for you. And the form, you know, can change for, to some things we, hadn't even, we haven't even been invented yet. So if you're a listener right now and you're wondering what your purpose is, do you have any— exercises or tips to yeah. how to figure that out I, so you don't I, have to wait till you're my age to, right. um, <laughs> to have it well, revealed. Well, I, I have a few thoughts on this. And again, there are many books you can buy on it. And I personally spent a, a whole period of time actually working with a purpose expert to get to my like one sentence. But I don't think any of that is really necessary for the person who's just listening who would like to maybe kind of you know, narrow the scope of their understanding of why they're here. And so I call I call this sifting through the, your life story to find the breadcrumbs that point to your purpose. So one example that is excellent, I think, is do you remember a time when you were usually a child when somebody told you something about yourself was extraordinary that you just thought was ordinary? And I share my, my own brief story about 
I came late to class as usual, and I burst in to Mr. Compensanto's math class, and I said, I'm here, I'm late because, and he said, stop right there, stop right there. I know you're famous for having a way with words, and you can convince anybody of anything, but it's not going to work with me. <laughs> and all I heard was, famous for having a way with words. <laughs> I mean, it was literally like the sea parted and somebody thank had like... You, Mr. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Compensanto. Because my whole life, I had always been told, if you'd only use your powers for good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that was like, that was a breadcrumb. You have an amazing way with words. And so, so that's one, is a time that somebody said to you, wow, you're so good at this. And you thought, oh, really? This is just the thing that I do. Yeah. Okay. Hold, so, that, hold that thought. We're going to come back with more breadcrumbs in a second. Okay, perfect. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant... Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you, something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes, and Stafford and Mutual Weave for him, style and comfort for all, even big and tall, plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Snag a job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. We were talking about following our breadcrumbs, those little things from our past that may lead us to some insight on purpose. And you were in mid-sentence about having a way with words. Right. So that's one little thing to think about, a time that somebody told you you were extraordinary at something you thought you were ordinary at. Another thing is... What are you doing when time flies? Like when two or three hours have gone up, sex gone by. Count. No, Lisa, sex <laughs> okay. does not count. Waka <laughs> <laughs> waka. Um, so you know what is it you're doing when hours have flown by and you haven't looked at your clock once? Another thing is, what do people come to you for? Mm. You know, these are all breadcrumbs. And if you actually start looking at your motivations and your your passions, you know, and your drives around these kind of stories, these breadcrumbs, you start seeing. And, and, you know, you begin to put, in, to put language around that. And another, another thought, too, is like at your worst, at your most horrible moment, your crucible moment, 
What did you do next to get yourself out of it? Because a lot of times I think that that sort of, that's your truest voice is like, Mm -hmm. you know, the God of the bathroom floor, you know, you're down, you just can't believe that you've been, you know, you've been so devastated by whatever. And what was the next right thing that you did that got you, got you sort of directionally correct? And a lot of times that is also a breadcrumb because yeah, it's like kind of, it's almost like your soul kind of takes control in those situations. And I feel like another way of saying purpose is your soul's purpose. Hmm. Interesting. Do you have a, a either a, a a breadcrumb from your past or a, a, a god well, of the bathroom well that, floor? <laughs> that god of the bathroom floor. I mean, it's it's a tough story, and I feel like I carry this with me all the time. But when I became the editor in chief at one of the different ma- two different magazines that I led, um, we had to let a bunch of people go, and it was the magazine was just drifting in the wrong direction, and these people didn't have the right skills to set it set it straight. Um, and so we did, you know, we sort of had one very, very bad day, probably my worst day. And, you know, I have to say it was, it was god-awful. And then I gathered everybody together afterwards and sort of told them that they didn't have to carry that, that that, that was my thing. And, you know, I, I think it was really, it was just a good instinct and I was like, listen, you, this, we're not all going to come together as a team immediately. And this is hard. Right. And take some days. You know, I'm sorry that this is hard. But this is not your thing to carry around. It's mine. Right. So what I would say about that is, again, knowing you as well as I do, is that naming the thing is something that you're excellent at. It's, you know, you're feeling something and everybody's feeling it and nobody has the exact right thing to call it. And nobody knows how to put the scaffolding around it that's language that makes everybody feel understood. And that's what you're amazing at. So mm-hmm. I'm not surprised that in that incredibly devastating moment, you were able to stand up and name it. And therefore, like, make the, the load lighter for everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. What's yours? Gosh, well, well, the breadcrumb one. <laughs> I was a sophomore in high school, and I was class president. And my report card came, and literally, this is on my report card, which is my quote unquote from the principal part of my permanent record. And I, that's why I'm just <laughs> laughing because I have a joke with my children. There is no permanent record. <laughs> <laughs> but they used to say I know that. They used to us. say that like, and it was that was the most most terrifying thing. Right? Totally. Yeah. So it was literally the sentence: Lisa has remarkable leadership capabilities. Unfortunately, she has chosen to use them to lead people astray. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I've been doing that ever since. I I would focus on the remarkable leadership capabilities. The astray thing kind of was more intriguing to me. Well, you that's know, right. You're, astray you're, is where the fun is. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're the wild yes. one. That's right. That's, that's, that is Take definitely a breadcrumb. Yeah, please, honey. I'll follow you astray <laughs> anywhere. Ready. You know what the story was? I'll tell you why she said that very briefly. We were in science class, and we had this— We had My friend, my best friend and I had an idea that we would, we would um, engulf the podium where the teacher was speaking <laughs> in flames. So we had a pool of— of alcohol in front of his podium <laughs> that had a little trail of alcohol back to our desk. So we would we wound it. This is how stupid we are. We wound it so he wouldn't know where that came from. And the alcohol dries, of course. So we didn't the trail up at the wasn't pool gasoline. Was, it was, no, it was right, exactly. <laughs> so the alcohol where he was standing didn't ever catch flame, but our desk did. So I was trying to put out the the fire with my little mitts. You know, we had those Bunsen burners. So I'm putting out the fire with the mitts, and they're on fire. I don't want him to see it. So I throw them out the window. They land in the gutter with all these leaves and billows of smoke come through. I swear. So when, when I was caught doing that, the accidental arsonist, that's, Lisa that's next level. That's yeah. epic. That was bad. Yeah, that's oh epic. Yeah, that God. was just one of many events. And, and that I year. was the one that failed to distinguish myself. Oh, I distinguished she, myself. She went to Princeton, not, and I'm the one. That no, 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 uh, no, no. That was my daughter. Uh, I did not get into Princeton <laughs> for that uh, sort of reason. <laughs> I was the one that failed to distinguish myself. Never once started a fire. Not one single time. Well, you know, and the person who really distinguishes themselves does a perfect trail of flames and really just <laughs> blows up the teacher's yeah. desk. <laughs> All right, so question for you. Let's shift gears a little bit. Okay. I, I want to talk about your, rather than your emotional, spiritual, personal life, I want to talk about your professional life okay. for a minute because so many people are going through, like Jill, um, professional U-turns. You are a woman in a decidedly male 
environment. And you are a powerful woman in a decidedly male environment. I can't imagine that is free of struggle. Um, and, you know, hopefully getting better today with the whole Me Too movement, movement that we talked about. But can you just talk a little bit about how, what were your keys to success in a man's world? Well, for one thing, I never saw myself as living in a man's world, even though obviously from the outside, it certainly looked like that. Only woman in the boardroom, only woman here. I just never saw it that way. And I I think that honestly, authentic storytelling has been the reason because I tell authentic stories from my heart and the people that I'm interacting with receive them and, and, and return them back to me with their own authentic stories. So I've been lucky enough to build partnerships that felt kind of somewhat beyond gender. Um, and I didn't really, I didn't really feel that I was living in a man's world. I just felt like I was living in a competitive world of entertainment. I didn't see it as gendered. Through the lens now of Me Too, I've certainly come to see certain experiences that I had that I thought were personal to me, to probably being more gender oriented than I realized, particularly around some of this research that we're seeing now that when a woman speaks once in a meeting, the men in the room report her, report that she spoke three to four times when she actually only spoke once. <laughs> so I think probably I didn't factor in some of the some of the, the the baggage that I was carrying into the room that I wasn't even aware of. But for the most part, I just feel like you know I've always just focused on being impeccable in my steps and. And really just being in a constant pursuit of excellence. I never worry about who gets credit for anything. Whenever possible, I always try to make somebody else, you know, look good or pass the ball to somebody else. And so I just feel like I've had, a, from a corporate perspective, kind of a pretty blessed experience. When you say that you kind of tell these authentic stories, I think you're just really rigorously honest and always, always have been. Have you had to pull that back, though, in the corporate world? I I just, I haven't. Maybe I should have. I mean, to be honest with you, maybe I should have been smarter. But like when I remember when I first came to William Morris... Nobody wore jeans. I mean, it was it was just like 2000 or 2001, and literally jeans weren't like the thing that everybody wore. Yeah. And and I and I was just like, I'm not going to come here and just start dressing like everybody else. I'm not going to wear what was then the black Prada, you know, business suit. Like I'm just going to be me. And you guys are on the audience isn't looking at me, but I have this tons of big curly hair, <laughs> and I just thought I can't straighten my hair and wear these business suits and be somebody that I'm not because if I do, I won't be able to be my best. And I I'm so focused on being. In impeccable in my steps that I just thought it's almost like if you had to run a race, you wouldn't want to wear stilettos. Like I have to win the race. Right. So I just kind of dispensed with all the things that I felt like could potentially hold me back. And I, I've just always felt intuitively that, that being myself is the best, is the best version of me that I have. And then at least then if I don't get the job or if I don't get the author, if I don't, it's at least it was me that didn't as opposed to me trying to be some version of what I think is acceptable in a corporate society. Because that's when you hugely regret it. Totally. That's when you look back and you think, I said this. I meant this. Which I, and I meant this, and then I didn't get it. And you, and you think, just feel and like what would have happened yeah, if totally. I had just put my, you know, gone with option A, which was my instinct. Totally. And, yeah. and, and that's just been, that's been like a guiding light for me because I, I feel like, if I'm not uniquely qualified to do the job, then then they don't need me. But if I am uniquely qualified to do it, then let me do it. And let me do it, with, you know, in the clothes that make me feel comfortable, using the language that makes me feel comfortable. And again, early on in the boardroom, I would say, well, the universe is saying, yeah. and people would look at me like I was bananas. And then, you know, when I was right about things, people would come up and say, well, what is the universe you know, saying about this? You know, you want a or, universal prediction. Exactly. You've got, or, a, you know, you've got a direct line to the universe. Exactly. <laughs> or I would say, you know, if somebody says, me in a, in, a, in a heated business context, I would say, well, that actually hurts my feelings. Mm. And people would be really taken aback. And then eventually they got kind of used to it and, and they began to like return that kind of language. And then it's, I'll tell you, it's a lot better having a conversation about hurt feelings than escalating every freaking conversation to values where it's like, you know, who's a better person, Ugh. which is like, I think the way that it, it often happens in a corporate environment. And so, like, I just bring my whole self and I bring my whole heart. I don't have a separate personality. Like, I never understood that. People who have, like, a work personality. Oh, my God. People who have a sex personality. I was like, ah, oh, one personality <laughs> is more than enough. It's all terrifying enough. Like, so... So I just use the one personality I have in every situation. Yeah, works pretty well. 
easier to remember. <laughs> I like that one. I like that one. Um, well, Jennifer, thank you so, so much for being with us, our great friend. Love you guys so much, and I'm so excited that you're doing this together. I feel like you're going to help so many people with their U-turns. Yes, and um, the Together Live conference, I can attest to the fact that it is a wonderful, wonderful oh, experience, well, and you, you can find Jennifer there. You can also find her on Instagram at Jennifer Walsh. Yes, and go come check us out at togetherlive.com and maybe join us this fall on the yeah. road. Yeah. Yay. And you can check us out at U-Turns Podcast and tell us about your experience when you go together live. Share your stories. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you feeling overwhelmed by anxiety, struggling to find restful sleep, or plagued by a restless inability to focus? It's time to break free from the chains of mental health challenges and discover a path to healthy living. Welcome to Amen University, founded by renowned psychiatrist and brain health expert, Dr. Daniel Amen. Dr. Amen, alongside a team of esteemed doctors and experts in their fields, understands the struggles you're facing and are here to offer solutions. From debilitating anxiety to sleepless nights filled with worry, our courses are meticulously crafted to target these specific challenges head on. Join us on a journey of transformation led by Dr. Amen and a roster of top-tier professionals. Say goodbye to the constant battle with your mind and embrace a future filled with hope and possibility. Visit our website today to explore our courses and start your journey towards a brighter tomorrow. Use code BRAIN10 and get 10% off. That's code BRAIN10 and get 10% off your first purchase. Amen University, because your mental health matters.